You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everybody. This is Mission Lab. This is episode 18, and this is Camille's story. Last week, you heard my story. Hopefully, it didn't bore you to tears, <laughs> but uh, we're going to hear a very, very exciting, compelling story this week, and that is Camille's story. As we mentioned last time, uh, it's just a way for us to model you know, how you tell your story, although I could have done a better job of telling my story. But Camille is going to hit a home run. She's going to hit know, it out of the I park don't know about here. That. I don't know so, about that. Uh, so yeah, this is her story. Hopefully, it's inspiring. Hopefully, it helps you get to know Camille a little bit better. Well, the great thing about your story is that one, it's yours, so it's unique to you, and then it changes and it evolves, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be some glorious. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like this amazing story where you used to be like this deadbeat dude who like was you know doing stuff um <laughs> yeah i'm so. so sheltered i don't even know what stuff people do but anyway i'm just <laughs> all right go ahead camille tell us your story start at the very beginning so uh just you know to real quick to run by the first part i was born in oregon um moved to maine when i was five and i have a few early childhood memories from oregon but not too many I have an older sister, a twin brother, and a younger brother, and uh, moved to Maine when I was five for my dad's work. Uh, My mom stayed home with us until we went to school. Uh, I went to an Avenus Academy Christian private school in Freeport, Maine for all 12 years of my schooling. Uh, Absolutely loved school and every minute of it and learning and the socialization part of it. Um, Growing up, uh, my siblings and I were pretty close uh, and became closer. um, When I was 14, my parents um, got a divorce. And through that process, it made us, my siblings and I, a lot closer to one another. why is that? I don't know. Um, I felt like at the time, the divorce was not really challenging on on my brothers or my sister and I. At least from my perspective, it didn't seem challenging. We had, like I've said in a previous podcast, in a previous episode, we just had an amazing community, school community, church community that really just surrounded our family and um prayed for us, I believe, and just loved us and cared for us and really drew us into them. And so I don't know that I felt the effects of the divorce at that time um, too greatly. And I had my siblings. So um, went to Pine Tree Academy in Freeport for all 12 years. Uh, Did the whole soccer, basketball played the flute in the band, did the choir, did bell ringers. That's a thing you're saying? You yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I just did all those things. Like, yeah. I did yearbook, anything, like, I could get involved in, I did, because I just... 
I'm very much an extrovert, as we've talked about, and just loved all of that. Uh, was a good student, uh, got, you know, good grades. Uh, my senior year in high school, um, <clears throat> oh, so when I was 13 um, is when I made the decision to really follow Christ for myself. Um, I had a very impactful sixth grade teacher who I felt like that year just really made God real to us. And even though I had been going to church and I enjoyed church and I, you know, believed in God, I feel like God really became um, a, a true friend to me. And like, I really got to know him at that point when I turned 13. So I'd say that was kind of like a turning point in like an active relationship with Christ at that point. Um, I went to several prayer conferences, a couple of prayer conferences. My What are those? Um, so it's when a lot of Avenist schools come together. And one happened to be on Andrews University campus in Bering Springs, Michigan, which is an Avenist college. And then one happened to be at Southwestern Avenist University in Texas, which is just right outside of Dallas. And, um... It was through that prayer conference in Texas that um, I think kind of gave me that, I'm not sure, push to go there. I had gone to Pine Tree all 12 years. I loved it, but I was really just looking out, looking to get out on my own and do my own thing for a while. Uh, my brother and sister were at, at a university, Andrews University in Michigan. They were ahead of me in school. They were with me. <clears throat> yep, yeah, or Sean was. And so I ended up going down to Southwestern. I didn't know anyone, um, but I was excited about that. Like being in those situations, it's frightening. But like at the same time, that's where just like I really relied on Christ and like knew that he had a plan for me. And it's interesting because I feel like most of my life, I've always been this like easy believer. I'm not sure like how to describe it any other way, but like I've just always known that like Christ is real and that um, he's just had such an active part of my life. Um, and so spent the first two years at Southwestern, majored in history, um, and I was going to be doing um, secondary ed. And after my sophomore year, I prayed a lot about doing student mission work and looked at a number of the islands in um, the Micronesian Federated States, which is over in the South Pacific. And I just really felt led to, really felt like God was leading me to go to an island called Ebai, uh, which a lot of people haven't heard of. It's also known as the slum also of the islands. Also known as eBay? Not quite, not eBay, but Ebai. Um, it's a very small island, a mile long by quarter of a mile wide. I could um, sit at our school and I could look left and see ocean. I could look right and I could see ocean. Uh, super, super small island. It has, uh, I believe at the time, um, its population was second to that of China for people per square mile. And 60% of that population was kids 15 and under. So a huge kid population, hmm. um, jam-packed with houses, <clears throat> Um, you go and it looks very third, like a third world country. It's not. Um, but we had an Avenist school there where 
lots of island kids went to learn English because all of the teachers there spoke English. Some were from the Philippines, some were from Germany. Um, my roommate was from Sweden. So we had a, a wide variety of teachers who all spoke English and who were teaching in English in the classes. So um, that was a motivator for islanders to come to our school because of that, the English factor. And so I went over to teach um, high school history I got there and the principal asked me if I would teach kindergarten and preschool, um, which I kind of just willingly did. It wasn't even like a, I don't know if you even fight that at the time. I mean, you're kind of just like, you're already there, you know, they already had a history teacher. So it was just interesting. I, I was not, um, I mean, that was, I was fine with that. And it turned out to be like a huge blessing to do that. So I taught kindergarten, uh, preschool in the morning, kindergarten in the afternoon. I had about... I don't know, um, 16 kids in the morning, 18 kids in the afternoon, none of which spoke English. I did have a Marshallese aide um, who helped translate. But kids, I mean, you know how they are. They pick up stuff so fast. And by probably the first month, they could probably understand most of what I was saying. Um, and so that so that year, that 10 months that I was there, a full school year, um, I loved I loved it so much. Um, but it was probably one of the hardest years of my life. Um, you learn so much about yourself. Um, you learn so much about, um, where you want to go and what you want to do. In fact, when I went over to eBuy, um, I kind of went over with this mindset that like, eh, I'm going to get married when I'm 40, have kids when I'm 50. And it's interesting what a year can do, um, and I kind of had that that mindset. In high school, I dated a number of guys. Um, and my next to my last year, after my junior year, I think, um, I had a number of people recommend a book to me that was a dating book um, that just really encouraged me to use my singleness for God. Who and recommended that book to you? Sean was one of them. There was a couple other guys that re- recommended that book to me, a couple other friends. What do you mean, use your singleness to God's glory or whatever? Like, don't spend my time wasting dating or, you know, wishing I was dating or whatever it might be, but really using that time of singlehood to, like, work for him and... Um, It was just really eye-opening for me, and I wish I had been challenged early on with that mindset. Um, And so after my junior year in high school, I didn't didn't date anyone, and I didn't date anyone in college because of that. And I really just want – I didn't really want to date anyone until I was – ready to get married. And so when I went over to the Marshall Islands, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not getting married anytime soon. I'm going to get married when I'm 40, have kids when I'm 50. And um, after that year, I don't know if it was having, you know, so many kids all day long, every day that made me change, you know, my mindset to kind of change. But after I came back, I was like, you know, I could see myself getting married a lot sooner, or I could see myself having a lot kids a lot sooner. And it wasn't because I had met someone or anything like that. It was just kind of like a mindset. Um, <clears throat> that summer, through a lot of prayer, um, I started working at a summer camp, the same summer camp in Maine, Camp Lorweld. Uh, previous to that, I had worked at um, a summer camp in Arkansas, Camp Yorktown Bay, which was amazing after my freshman and sophomore years in college. But really felt like God leading to... Um, go work where my brothers were at, 
um, and be closer to home after I'd been away for a whole year. Because um, when we were in the Marshall Islands, we, we didn't go home for Christmas. We didn't go home for Thanksgiving or anything like that. In fact, it was really hard to even call home. Um, that probably happened maybe once every two to three weeks. We could call internet was really sketchy. It was hard to, in fact, the most reliable was really just snail mail. Um, so, and it was one of those situations in the Marshall Islands where I did not want to go, but I could not see myself staying another year. Um, but it's just like such an amazing time to, to really like, I learned so much about myself and, um, just had to really rely so much on God because I felt so alone and because you can't depend on anyone else. Uh, so if anyone's out there looking to do student missions, I just want to put a, like sell it because I just had, I mean, it's very rare. Sean is kind of an exception where his year was not that great. And I think I've probably met one other person who did not have a good experience student, student missions, but out of the, you know, 200 plus people I've actually had a conversation with about student mission work. They loved their experience. And, and again, it was, a, it was a hard year, but it was like such a rewarding year. And you know what proves this is every time you tell your story, you spend the bulk of your story talking about your year doing mission work. Do I? Yes, you do. No. You probably well, spend, it, was, it was such a, it's a, such a life-changing. Probably, uh, probably half of our 14 minutes that we've been recording now has been on this, but well, that's fine. I'm just, well, it's a good thing I'm trying to sell it then, isn't all it? All right, there you go. She's not being paid for this uh, advertisement. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyways, it was just such a blessing year. Um, came back and worked at Camp Lorweld where Sean was. We spent a lot of time, um, I don't know, just like talking and just kind of like getting to know each other again. Um, it was refreshing to hang out with someone who was so God-centered and, um, but we didn't spend, we didn't spend any time talking about dating. In fact, I know it was something he was thinking about. It was something I was thinking about, but we just didn't want to rush anything. And I didn't want to jump into something I wasn't sure about because I really didn't want to start dating until, you know, I was potentially ready to get married. And so, um, in, like, I think it was like that fall. So I had gone back to Southwestern in Texas. Sean had gone back to Andrews for his last year of undergrad. And, um, Eventually, over the fall, we started talking about, um, you know, the possibility of dating. And I just, so I never wanted to be one of those girls who, like, followed their guy to, you know, college or whatever. I was just like, that is so lame. <laughs> but then she met me. No. So this is what happened. So, yeah. So we talked about dating. Um, and we talked about dating with the intent of of possibly getting married. So... My thinking was, and of course it's different for everybody, I was saying, you know, within the first like few months, you know, three months, we should be able to tell if this is like at least kind of heading in the direction. It's not mean we're going to get engaged in three months or anything like that, but, you know, is this going in that direction? And we thought like if we're going to give this like an honest shot, we needed to be not doing it long distance. And so since Sean had like basically a semester left of his undergrad, and I had a lot more time than that left that it would only make sense for me to go to Andrews. So I was so worried about like how that would look like, oh, here's Camille, like following some boy to school. Like, I was, you know, really um, it it really scared me. And then not only that, but like going to 
transferring schools and figuring all these credits and all this stuff and then for it to not possibly work out. I mean, there was no guarantee. And so it was a lot of wrestling and a lot of praying that I did um, I did about it. And I remember reading something in one of my, I think I was preparing for some, I don't know, teaching or I don't know, something for school or something. And um, I came across this book and something in the book said, do not let fear paralyze your actions for the Lord your God is with you. And I still remember that to this day because it was just, I felt like it just jumped out at me. Like this was for me. And that's really what it was. I was letting the fear of failure, the fear of looking ridiculous, like stop me from, you know, transferring. And so ultimately I transferred um, in the spring of 04 to Andrews University. And so we, Sean and I were only together at Andrews for a semester. Um, and then that next year, he actually was, he was in Vermont pastoring and I was still at Andrews. Um, we did a lot of flying back and forth. Um, and just, you know, like our whole, um, we dated for what, a, a year? A little over a year? Um, a little over a year and got engaged. October to January. Yep, yeah, yeah, correct. Remember, who's the one that's good with dates? Yes. No, November 2, 2003 and then we were engaged is when we first started for, dating. What, six months? Yeah, we got we we were engaged January two. Hey, I don't know that 2005. date. <laughs> we were married July seventeen. Yeah, I know the wedding date. I know the wedding date. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. so um, we just we just um, just spent a lot of time really like seeking the counsel of others. Uh, we asked friends that we hung around, like, "What does this look like to you? How do you?" And they told us some negative stuff. They told us some positive stuff which I think is was a blessing to be able to like then talk about that openly with one another um, about maybe some things we needed to work on as like a couple or individually. And so it was kind of like discipleship before we knew discipleship was cool. Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. So anyways, um, we got married. Correct. Um, we finished out our school in at Andrews. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. And moved to New Hampshire in 07. 07. 07. Yep. Um, I taught for, God opened some more doors, and I taught at a Avenue school in... Um, Concord. Concord, New Hampshire. Loved loved my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, had some great students. And great parents. Sean Milano, if you're listening, what, what? <laughs> yeah, Sean Milano. Yep, definitely. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's neat to see, like, how God has led through every step. Um, I was thinking when we moved back to New Hampshire, I'd be teaching in a public school because I had done my student teaching in a public school. I had gotten a long-term sub, which was like another huge blessing in a long-term, um, a long-term sub situation in a public school while Sean was finishing up seminary and I had graduated. Um, so I was looking, I was really looking at doing public school. And again, I really felt God was just leading in that direction. And this school was the first year they had opened up and... They were needing a teacher, and I was needing a job, and um, it ended up being a real blessing. So I guess for most of my story, for me, Sean, you said it's you always go back to, like, your value in Christ, which mm-hmm. is awesome. For me, I always go back to looking at how God is led mm. and and where I have seen him actively. Like, I saw him so active when I went to eBuy and in raising money for that trip and like how he wanted me to, um, 
like why I needed to be on that island. And then, um, and then with like, you know, dating you and it's just obvious God was leading in that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, for me, I always go back to, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, what about coming to Bangor? Cause when we came to Bangor, we didn't want to come here, but we came and like, I couldn't imagine not coming here now. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, I've just always known it's always been easy for me to trust, like knowing that God has a better plan than what I even know. Mm. Like, Mm. I don't know why that's always just been, not that it's always easy in the moment and not that it's scary and not that it's not challenging, but I'm always just like, you know, like when we moved to Bangor, it wasn't something we wanted to do, but we're like, you know what? God's got to be in this. Like he's going to go with us. We know that. So that trusting factor and, um, we've come and we've just been really blessed, um, by, um, our church family, been really blessed by the people in this community. And part of another section of my story is growing up in an Adventist bubble, if you will, Um, it is very sheltering. And since we've, um, since moving back to New England, even in New Hampshire, um, being able, having friends that are not part of the Adventist community has been such a blessing and, um, just love like being able to tell others about my journey and about the God that I serve, um, and love and love. And it's, it's not, it's not always easy. I've never liked the term, um, pastor's wife. I was going to ask you, tell us what it's like to be a pastor's wife. Camille. Yeah. I've never liked that term because, um, why isn't Sean like the teacher's husband? Like, mm. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> cause you're not a teacher. The woman that I am. I just, yeah. Anyways. So, um, it's it's challenging and i don't i don't have all the answers it's hard um it's hard when people are critical of your husband um good thing they never are yeah and it's just interesting um yeah there's there's so when you're a pastor there's so many you have a ton of like when you have a job you have like one boss or one or two people that you like um answer to answer to but when you're a pastor everyone in the church thinks they have um the the way that they want you to run the service or the way they they want you to do prayer meeting or the way they want you to do sabbath school or and you can't you can't literally please you know your 200 members or your 500 members whatever you know you are so it's been a it's challenging to me because when when people are critical of Sean, I take that personally as well. It's, it's, it's challenged. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mm. know how to, yeah. um, but you know, God is good and he's working and, um, hmm. yeah, that's it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, do you have any kids? <laughs> Just kidding. You've already mentioned the kids, yeah, so I, I uh, not I, that important. I, so I, I, I am a stay-at-home mom. 
and I homeschool our two oldest. I'm kind of of the thinking that I don't feel like young kids need to be sitting in school all day. And I know every kid's different and everyone has different styles. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and especially having a boy um, who has large amounts of energy. Um, it's been great to be able to homeschool and um, yeah. do a couple hours of school in the morning and then let him play and run around. And so he's in second grade this year. And Acadia, our middle daughter, is in first our so, oldest daughter, our middle child. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's just been a big, big blessing. I'm glad I can stay at home to do that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Camille. Any questions, John? Uh, any questions? No, I don't think I, I covered do. everything, didn't you I? You covered everything. Um, what I would like to point out is that her story was a lot better done than mine. Oh, mine no. was very factual. Camille was. So this is kind of like a. A good version and a like, don't do it the way I do it. Do it the way Camille does no, it. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. I think actually, but mostly, when I when I shared my story in uh, our missional community, mine was actually very factual, and mm. I thought, oh wow, this is like too. It's like too rigid. I need to share more of like the, who yeah, I am and where vulnerable. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Camille did a great job, and uh, thank you for your continued prayers, listening audience. We are blessed, and uh, we're thankful to be able to be ministering and being on mission and, and having community. And many of you who are in our community, our extended community, our church family, we know a number of you listen to this, and we're blessed by all of you. You are part of our story, even those we don't know who uh, listen and um, either write to us or email us. But thank you for being a part of our story. Yeah. And um, we're just humble servants, if you will. And um, so, yeah, anything else, Camille, before we close? Nope. This has been Mission Lab. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.